0: All right, welcome back to Global Digest. It is uh, a great evening uh, lined up for you today, uh, the 25th of September, 2023. In studio, of course, the usual suspects, Davis, Irene, and Laban, uh, and senior political analyst and advisor, Benji Ndolo. Welcome. Welcome.
1: Thank you very much, Fareed. It's been a long time good to see you. Yeah. Nice to be back home.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you with us. Uh, Benji joined Capital in 2006 and then went on to do bigger and better things, but he's back today, which is great. Uh, and uh, from around 7.05, we'll be chatting again with Professor Gathua uh, regarding the impact of conflict on food production uh, and food availability between uh, in, in countries uh, between between the war between russia and the ukraine so let's just kick it off here this morning our first topic uh, split emerges in azimio as Ryla allies push for his sixth bid at the presidency i i and i know i shouldn't be laughing when i say this but i just feel like you know enough's enough you know i mean <laughs> and it, it is i can understand why certain members of azimio have created their own party now uh i can understand why they're also saying look ben if you haven't gotten it in five tries what's going to make this one difference let's give uh, someone else a chance um, I'll start with Davis uh, Davis um, you know I know you're not allowed to add your opinion here so I want to ask you to uh, but you know is, is, it, is it viable that uh, that Baba can go for a sixth
2: run from where he sit, it's still viable considering there's no constitutional there are no constitutional provisions that bar somebody from the number of times they can buy but i think from from his allies they are toying around with the idea of uh, of, of having Raila Odinga capitalise on the failures of the Kenya Kwanzaa regime to catapult him to the 2027 presidential election. <laughs> yeah. Because the mistake Raila Odinga made in last year's election is that he joined forces with the, the then former president, the retired president, Uhuru Kenyatta. And that, in a way, according to the admissions by his allies and the, his chief party agent, Kanchori, this played a big part in, uh, in 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 diminishing his chances of clinching last year's election so i think this time round the allies are keen on ensuring that with him being now on the opposition formally they are relying on uh, to to they, they want to capitalize on the regime's failures so that Odinga can be on the ballot in 2027 and maybe by chance maybe win the election
0: uh, Keoni and Martha Kuru have started a new party uh, Keoni it is, right? Yeah, it's Jeremiah Keoni yeah. Yeah. He was a guest here uh, earlier this year actually Yeah, They've started a new party I'll come to you Benji on this one um, You know you know, you can have it, it happens in, in, in African countries We've seen it in different countries Nigeria is a good example uh, South Africa is starting to get to this point as well You start to split the second biggest party you start to shave off the chance for a close run I would imagine
1: Bad for democracy Right. Especially if you're talking um, tribal inclinations and tribal groupings rather than rather than ideological politics. Mm. So this thing is a non-starter. Um, in fact, um, so Kikuyus and because now we're talking Kioni Ke- and Martha Karua are trying to you know rival DP Gashagwa for the mountain. So Kikuyus and Kambas, which I'm Kamba, are what you call Adoni. And we always have this thing where they say, Kamwene. Kamwene means only mine, only ours. I mean, this is politics of the past. Mm. It's actually like a gimmick, Farid. It's unbelievable. And I don't want to be too critical, but I think you know that I'm a blunt guy. Mm. I, I, c- I can't believe that in this day. And it's like if we we're saying there's someone doing a tribal outfit for the Kalenjin. Mm. One of the things the president did brilliantly was you know to run this even though it's in question now how implementation wise has worked mm. but you never had DP ruto talking about putting tribes together mm. but but, but
0: I'll, I'll go to irene on this one um, and I'll, I'll we'll come back to you my my question then is some would say that uh Sorry, DP uh, Gashagwa has, in fact, uh, incited a lot of tribal <coughs> politics. I mean, there has been a lot of claims. He has. Um, so, I, Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> thanks. He yeah. has. So, Irene, I'll come to you. I mean, we're talking about tribes. It seems like we're talking more about tribes again than we were in, in the campaign leading up to this particular uh, office.
3: Mm-hmm. But but I think um, even as you say that the deputy president, Gadi Gashagwa, <coughs> excuse me, has been um, propagating tribal politics, um, the look, the outcome of the 2022 general election will show that Kenya is moving is slowly moving away from um, inclination when it comes to tribal politics. Mm. Something that is de- debatable. If you ask me, who is the kingpin of the Mount um, Kenya community? I will tell you without uh, startling. It's uh, President William Bruto. He managed to wield the community from the former President Uhuru Kenyatta. So as uh, Benja is saying that. that um, the commoner sort of group by Kioni and and um, Karua is an unstarter. It will be a total failure, given the the fact that they are not able even to muzzle numbers in terms of adding um, the community to to vote as one block if they so wish. Mm. So even as um, the deputy president Rigathi Gashago is trying to position himself as the kingpin of um, the Mount Kenya community, he knows all too well that President William Ruto is the man holding the grip for mm. the Mount Kenya community.
0: Oh, uh, Laban, then I'll come back to you, Benji. It, it, on paper, it doesn't look like a winning formula. I mean, even on paper, Keoni and Martha Kroa anyway. I mean, it doesn't seem like you, you don't see those names uh, and think, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that looks like a strong force, right? I mean, it doesn't look like that. And in fact, anything, is, is, it, is it possible that this will give more popularity to Rilo Dinga?
4: Farid, we have always said in politics, it's about what constituency you bring to the table. Right, so if uh, Keoni and Matakarua can actually prove that they have a constituency, by constituency I don't mean a geographical place. I mean a certain group of people, a certain um, for 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 Kenyan uh, politics a certain a certain ethnic group, yeah, who will follow you. Then you have something to work with. But in this instance, whenever they talk you are still left with that without question who are they speaking on behalf of? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you look at, for instance, uh, Raila Odinga, you look at Kalonzo Musioka, you look at um, William Ruto, yeah, they have something that they bring on the table first before they start um, giving this perception that they are national leaders. Now for Deputy President Rigadi Gashagwa, that is what he's trying to cut out right now. Mm. He's trying to first show that I am the de facto leader of the um, of the of the Mount Kenya region. Yes, second to of course my president. But if you want to come to the mountain, first deal with me. Mm.
1: Yes. Like the
0: gatekeeper of the mountain was yeah, kind of he, how his position was. trying
4: to give that perception, but if you if you've noticed in the in the few in the few days that have passed, he's been he's been fought by people like Moses Kuria and and of course Martha Karua, um, would you call him Dinde Nyoro, who who are also showing that our time is almost here because everyone is looking towards 2032.
2: Uh, okay, fine. Uh, Be- before Benji responds, I think. It could be a tactic that these two leaders are pulling because, they, in reference to Raila Odinga's plan to have another sixth term in the presidential election, so it could be a tactic from these two leaders, not necessarily for them to be the kingpins of the Mount Kenya region. It could be a tactic they're they're, they're planning something to, to maybe perhaps uh, send a message to Raila Odinga that as much as yes we in the as a mere coalition we can still pull out. Right. So you need to be very attentive and keen on, on, on what is really important when it comes to us and the people of the mountain.
1: Farid, just before you ask your question, your follow-up, um, I can see the young, impressive analyst on the panel. Allow me to teach a one-minute history class on why Raila Odinga is so great and also, therefore, why you know, his failures are so heartbreaking and so, I mean, almost unacceptable. Raila Odinga, now that we're talking about tribal constellations and tribal organization, etc., is the only national political leader. And I want you to hear me well, because even the president doesn't fall in this category, neither does the former president. Raila Odinga is the only national politician that did not deprive his, 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 his political superiority and support from his ethnic tribe. Kibaki initially was Bahati MP. Some guys might not know that. I think in the 1960s before transferring to Othaya Nyeri when things got tough. Mwai Kibaki <coughs> was Kenya's best president yet. Um, Jomo Kenyatta came from Gatundu. President Uhuru Kenyatta, his son, the fourth president, ran and came from Gatundu. That's where he derived, you know, his political organization. <laughs> it's where he initially lost the first time he ran in 1997. And William Ruto, Ruto of course, is the former Eldoret North MP. Raila Odinga began his political career running in Nairobi. Right. And he's a Lua politician, yeah. but with a constellation of tribes. It shows his greatness, <laughs> but his greatness is also his weakness because Raila Odinga just recently lost to, <coughs> um, to his, his underling. A guy almost young enough to be his son. Right, It's not enough to come and say it was stolen again. And let me go for a thick stab. And so my take as... And I know Loraela personally, I've worked for him. He's been my boss. Uh, I don't think it's viable. In the sense that he'll be 82...
0: This, this is my concern: is age more than anything else, right? Mm, I, I mean, mean he's not a young man. W-
1: w- what's that saying, uh, Davis? That doing something the same way repeatedly yeah. is the definition of that's insanity. Albert Einstein. That's. that's uh, I didn't young, say it. Miss Einstein Williams said it. <laughs> <favorite> <laughs> quote by the well, I didn't know that, yeah, but I know Albert Einstein I said it. Not me. <laughs> 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 yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll move to uh, Lavan and Irene now. Um, the 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 propensity to to push again for you know, we can go back in in the last five runs, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Some would say there was a couple of legitimate losses and some would say there were some not so legitimate losses and perhaps you know, he was in fact rigged out of the presidency, okay? Um, Do you think that he himself is doing this to prove a point, that he should be president? That's my first part one of the question. Mm -hmm. Number two, that it will cause people to, especially now with the way the country is, to think, even him saying it right now, that I'm going for a six run.
4: Whenever you've, you, people have tried to put that question to the former prime minister, he has always said this is not the time. Yeah we are we have bigger things to handle and so when whenever you are you're dealing with with Raila you always have to deal with that thing that um, the former uh, vice president said Raila mania versus Raila phobia now in this case i think as a sixth a sixth stab for Raila will will bring out something that we saw in the previous election voter fatigue yeah in the sense that even his own strongholds did not show up in the same in the same manner that you'd expect but, but them do, to do show don't up but could it not
0: have the reverse effect this time that they're going to be like we were so close if we just voted mm, I doubt no. it Irene I <laughs> doubt it I, doubt I want it. Irene to answer that question <laughs> <laughs>
3: I don't think so I think this time it will be even worse hmm. because uh, during the 2022 general election the hmm. perception was that Raila had the deep state and therefore he was more closer than ever mm. during that particular election, which cost some sort of voter f- voter apathy in some in some oh, so it, it was
0: a shoo-in, basically. Yeah. yeah.
3: And now this time, you're talking about um, removing an incumbent. Um, from power that and, is in and 20, really fighting against the regime, yeah. And you're not talking about any other politician, we are talking about President William Bruto, who's known to be quite calculative and ambitious and quite smart when it comes to, to planning. So, in these in 2027 general election, we might see much, much more vo- voter fatigue that might affect, you know, the outcome of that particular general election, even if it seems like Raila, it is the time for Raila, it is the they used to call it, the, the last bullet. This might yeah. be the last of the last of the last <laughs> bullet. <laughs> but, but, Sorry, but I have but I have a different... If I can just say,
4: the one reason that uh, President Biden is now being fought, um, is now facing um, in the elections in the US, people are saying, we are not going to vote for him because he's too old. When, in 2002, when um, UDA were, were campaigning, the one thing that they used against Raila, apart from his part of um the failings of Uhuru Kenyatta is this old man cannot do it. Mm. Now at eighty two, they're just going to they're just going to make him look like he's he can't do anything. Yeah, and
0: they're two use, scenarios. They're gonna use the Biden example as an example, I, I, I have imagine. D- I have a different Well but view. Biden
1: might not lose. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. He might not lose. No, no, but I'm
0: saying, but, the, the, but I mean, the the, 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 memes and the jokes around Joe Biden's presidency. I mean, they're just going to correlate that. Look, this is what happened when America had a, a, a geriatric in office. Sorry, Laban has mentioned something, and I want to, I want to throw this out to you guys. Uh, removing an incumbent in Africa. This is
2: literally this. This is basically close to impossible. It can happen. It's it's ca- ca- it never con- say never because. Yeah. In the next five years, if a liter of petrol will be retailing at t- six hundred shillings, and then Raila Odinga capitalises on that anger from the members of public, so two scenarios. First of all, the former prime minister has not publicly declared that he will vie in twenty twenty seven general election. It is his allies who are pushing this agenda that Musei is still strong; he can vie in the election, but. What of this scenario, when that time nears, Raila Odinge endorses somebody?
1: Also, it's like you read my mind. What Raila should do, what he possibly will do, and to make this thing vibrant, is to endorse a different candidate, exactly. and that will, that will be a spanner in the works. Exactly. Or, especially if the government continues in the same trajectory exactly. that it is on right now. I have been on the socials since mid-morning today. And I've let a lot of people, anyone I've met, I said, hey, I'll be on the show tonight, 98.4, tune in. Without question, I had lunch at Pronto downstairs. You know, that's an entrepreneur there. Guys that are running businesses, Fareed. Um, small businesses, middle uh, businesses. Um, capital, I believe, pays rent here. We're sitting in town at Lone Row House. You're paying light bills. All of these things are intertwined with the petroleum prices there's no way to increase the paycheck when the paycheck is being assaulted and taxed left and right. It's no way to grow the economy. And Kenya Association of Manufacturers who have listened to here many times are up in arms like um, even though there's all these uh, collections and what have you, there's not a corresponding increase in in, in revenue for government. You know, um, law of diminishing returns. And so we have a big problem. And if President Ruto continues on this path. I mean, it is early days in the first year. He'll have a very big problem with re-election because literally everybody in this country right now is um complaining about the broken economy. Countries all over the world, Farid, have debt, but you cannot just bastardize the issue of debt and then cause suffering on Davis, who has a paycheck that he's hoping to grow, but is seeing shrink and is having to work jobs when there are no jobs and paying for
0: someone else's housing it's uh, <laughs> i mean let's really, not even go which there i don't agree with let's not but, even but, go but, there. but yeah. but but <laughs> having that, yeah, go on
4: yeah. um I, I i get what davis and um and benji, benji are saying <laughs> right um so the argument comes from us the the people who are working the people who are but suffering
0: with this economy uh, Yeah, Yeah,
4: that's what that's. But if you listen to the narrative that the president and the deputy president constantly give out when they go to their to the prayer to their Thanksgiving um meetings and stuff like that, they always make us make people who are working yeah look like the villain, the people who don't want to help others. But when they talk to the farmers, the farmers are, are, are the good people. The farmers are helping this nation to move forward. Maybe their their calculation is the votes are with the farmers, the votes are with the informal sector, the votes are with the people who are not in town, the people who do not have to, to do y- this. You know, you know, Laban, when you're jobs, talk about it, it, the informal it, it, sector,
2: you're talking about it, hustlers who are, st- exactly. who are also feeling the pain of the tax approach by the, this because regime. Because majo- you're, you're what talking I, a vast majority, but I would imagine the vast majority
0: is feeling the pinch of this economy.
4: What I'm saying is that vast majority need to now show that they are dissatisfied um he said he's been looking at the socials uh, president ruto and his team used to use the socials to show that they have they they have command of the country right so if anything i actually think unless the Azimio team or whichever formation that will come through under raila odinga have a, a viable argument to bring against william ruto mm-hmm they're going to be well looked at the at the at the polls
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and i also think in a country that we're still uh, battling with the issues concerning electoral transparency and all of that we'll still have a long way to go in terms of removing an incumbent president because one of the issue that is causing voter apathy and fatigue is the perception that even if we go out and vote they'll,
0: they'll fix it they'll
3: fix it that
0: that's what's going to be my next question that's why i'm saying does the incumbent ever lose in africa
4: other than good luck, Jonathan, in Nigeria, Le-
0: legitimately lose. Mm. Let's put it that way. Does the incumbent ever legitimately lose? It's hard, it's but hard. that's
1: but it's hard. But Farid also, and, and, and I must say this because this is a radio show and millions are listening, even in the diaspora. This thing, Davis, of having uh, what Laban was talking about, like having politics as just pure trickery, like pure gimmickry. Like we did this to Kondani. Now we're inside, we don't care about these guys. Now we're going to play this game. This, this survival, manipulative, passive-aggressive, con-manly type of politics will never help this country. And if we cannot say that on the show like this, when even they're listening, then it's, it's, it's a disservice. Having said that, um, you see me carry, carrying my constitution everywhere. Yeah. We do want to become a democracy. Kenya is such a wonderful country. You and I have lived in many different countries, and Kenya has excellent potential. If we continue with this belief and this culture that elections count for nothing, that there's a server that's fixed somewhere, I mean, it's just on you and I to say we've got to stop down that road. And I don't know why I don't hear more of this from, you know, our counterparts, the American ambassador the swedish you know and 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 a lot of what we use even at the electoral commission is their money is mm. is eu money yeah. millions of uh, euros mm. and so um to irene's point um it is really unfortunate and unacceptable that we'll do an election everyone feels ah, this thing has been tinkered with but what can we do it's africa this is africa let's move on that's how you mainstream mediocrity and it has to stop somewhere,
0: and, and it's trickled down from 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 election to election to election. It's terrible. I mean, you know, the acceptance of it could have been rigged or not. Kind of that. Yeah. That you know, it's almost like if you remember when it happened in two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. That right? was my the, first year for you. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a
1: mess, right? Remember and, how stressed German and, was? I remember that particular one was a mess. A mess.
0: We used to sit here and, and watch, oh my God, watch people protesting insane. in town. Yes, and we saw the response to what was being touted as rigging then you know there's been two or three that have been questionable since and it's just we we, we've almost gotten to a point of acceptance because even even if we're questioning it because
1: we almost lost a country in the first instance
0: possibly or or as you're saying we've accepted mediocrity true yeah
2: which is it i think the only good thing after every electioneering period in the country is that the voters get to be more intelligent. Because Benji was talking about the long corn. Politicians Mm. come, promises heaven on earth, but they end up doing the opposite. So I think in 2027, Kenyans will be more enlightened and intelligent. They will remember the promises. They were told that when we come into office, the cost of maize flour will reduce to 150 shillings, or even less. The price of a liter of petrol, I will reduce it. But now these are the same leaders who are saying, By the way, we need to get money from you so that we can develop this nation. I think in 2027, and uh, depending on how solid the opposition side, be it Azimio or the Martha Karuas of this world and the Kionis, would position themselves, I think President William Ruto will have a difficult time to sell his agenda for 2027
0: if it's a free and fair election that's i'm going to leave it there because we're going to move on we're talking about democracies let's move to rwanda now before we go to rwanda free <laughs> yeah. you have to allow me yeah. um <laughs> as, as
1: as a policy analyst yeah um you know just to make the show interesting maybe if i could ask these guys a question just sure. to help you yeah, with your absolutely job. yeah what do you guys think um if for instance um and just full disclosure calonzo used to be my boss what do you think if Raila endorsed the former vice president?
2: I think I think it's 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 not a question on who will be on the ballot it's a question of the significant failures that this regime would have met, the the pr- the broken promises. It w- it is what will enlighten Kenyans, the voters, to vote for the other party. I think in twenty twenty seven, it will not be about individuals, but it will be about the, the the leader who promised and delivered, and the leader who whom we want to see deliver. Mm. That is why Are I'm in insisting I, I the think, president I will have a difficult task to to really sell a different uh, another agenda to Kenyans.
3: Kalonzo Kalonzo might be. Um a good choice. He appears charismatic and, you know, the diplomatic sort of angle that he pulls out. But looking into Kenyan politics, the diplomatic and charismatic type do not quite survive uh, in the political arena. You can look at what is happening to Mdavadi at the moment. He can't quite find a balance in the Kenya Kwanzaa government and that will be the major undoing because I sort of see President William Ruto as a manipulative sort of politician and even as we're saying, we're talking about the increase of prices, the electorate forget quite fast I know a near to the election a lot of propaganda in terms of painting Kenya Kwanzaa government as the government to, to watch will be happening to the extent that the electorate will forget and will get into the psychophancy that we see in each and every electioneering period Okay, Laban Quickly,
4: I really don't have anything else to add because um, Irene has more. She nailed Sunday it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <Okay>. she
0: did. <laughs> Thanks for it. Sure, let's move to Rwanda now uh, and talk about this in five minutes or less. um Rwanda's President Paul Kagame will run again uh, in next year's general election, so I think we it's safe to say that Rwanda's Paul Kagame will win again in next year's general election. We're talking about democracies, uh, and although. Rwanda and by and large uh, President Kagame is the darling of the West. It is funny how the West can accept uh, what that country or what he symbolizes uh, as a, let's be honest, a dictator.
1: If you've been around for 30 years um, and you've done pretty well in leadership but you haven't mentored a successor uh, and you have to run again 30 years after you've been in power Um, you cannot be a paradigm of anything to do with leadership anymore. It is um, not democracy anymore. As a matter of fact, Kagame running again, Museveni staying on, is just saying that we in Africa do not believe in democracy. We don't embrace democracy. Mm -hmm. And for Kagame, it's even worse because, to the best of my knowledge, Fareed, he had actually jailed um, his opposition leader, the lady who had stood against him. Mm You and I know that is completely and absolutely um unacceptable. Okay. That is unacceptable. Right, no, totally. Yes. In the twenty first and, and, century. And,
0: and and it and there's a blind eye from all the people that are Exactly that are that are touting all yeah, these, yeah. you know, I'd ideals is, around the world. This yeah. is the greatest country in Africa, it's blah terrible. blah 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 blah.
2: I think the fundamental question when it comes to Rwanda is it a case of the Rwandans being prisoners in their own country or is it a case of Kagame being adored and loved? Because when you look at the past elections, the previous elections, 2003, 2010, yeah, two ta- 2017, and he garnered almost 90% of the votes which were, uh, which, which the, the voters... Smallest the majority. So... And Kagame recently he has been a very big critic of uh, the West because when, 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 he, when you hear him speak about the Western ideologies, he's more or less rooting for African solutions. So I think the people of Rwanda will have to decide mm. in next year's polls whether mm. they need him to continue governing the country or they need somebody else. But uh, presently, he, he has been criticized for suppressing... Uh, f- Freedom of speech and the media, and all the other things that come with the. Uh,
1: because I was about democracy. to say, can he allow someone else to rise? Yeah, that's, that's the it. thing.
0: But that—that's yeah. that's the challenge, that's right? The and what happens but to Rwanda? And it's also frightening because it's a look. I'm sure we've all been there. We we've travelled in Rwanda. Yep. My feeling, having travelled there and worked there from on many different uh, film productions and TV productions, is there's an element of of a powder keg, and I yeah. feel like. You know, a powder cake. Usually, what happens with a powder cake is it's got a plug, like a cork plug. Yeah. You take that plug out, and <sighs> yeah. And I feel like Kagame is that plug, meaning you know, that if he if he decides tomorrow, you know what I'm,
1: I'm done. A, okay, I'm some,
0: done. Some, someone uh, there, there's a
2: huge fear of a repeat of of what happened in the 90s. You know, if you win that election next year he'll be in power until 2034 because they did some constitutional amendments back in 2015. So it's a 10-year term. If if he wins next year, then the possibility of him staying on until 20... Thirty-four. Now he's sixty-five. Those are ten years. He'll be seventy-five. But that's that's he, unbelievable. But he's
0: very fit. <laughs>
1: yeah. He
2: is, and, and he does he, look good. He looks great. Yeah, yeah. yeah to um, be fair, but you know, yeah. that's but, but forty but it, years in power.
1: Are you kidding me? But
0: it's a frightening prospect. Yeah, yeah, I think is, that some, yeah. one person can be in power for forty years because yeah. you look at countries uh, like uh, uh, former uh, leaders that were ousted, i.e., uh, mm, I want to say Congo back then. Um, anyway, Is but even, a, even a, the recent yeah. one, yeah, uh, yeah, but when, yeah. when they removed
1: Alibongo, Alibongo was Ali 42 yeah. years
0: when they remove yeah. the country does go into chaos. Right, and that yeah. I think that's the fear of the West for Rwanda. Just keep him there; he keeps the he keeps everything in, in line. And and, and on I think track. the
1: West has to do better think, by us. I
0: think we, we've got a political scientist. The, the West r- has to do better in the by room. us. We need to. We need to. We, we're gonna. Okay, guys, we're gonna end it here uh, with you guys. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you. We're gonna move over now. We're gonna t- touch on that uh, Kagame angle with our political scientists as well. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Thank you. All right, welcome back to Global Digest. Uh, in studio with me now, a big thank you to Benji, Laban, Davis, and Irene. But in studio now, uh, we have Professor uh, Edgar Gazua, who um, uh, we had on Monday a week ago uh so yeah actually we could go today yeah uh before we get into our discussion the reason i brought you back is because we only touched the surface on the russia ukraine and its effects on africa uh, uh-huh. i just wanted to get your take on kagame's fourth run at presidency
5: all right uh, thank you thank you for, it, for having me yeah Rwanda, an interesting case like benji and timo are saying um the rwandan presidential term is seven years yeah So if he runs next year, you give him seven years, and he's eligible, as per his constitution, to run up to twenty thirty-four. So with Rwanda, from the analysis, if I pick up from, if I piggyback from exactly what they were talking about, Rwanda's issue is about, and they rightly put it, grooming a successor. Mm -hmm. So the key thing is to ask the big questions to ask is, is there a hidden successor that we do not know about that has been secretly groomed, and will one day be unveiled? When President Kagame feels that is the place,
0: and that's his security, right?
5: And 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 that's exactly it. Sometimes with African leaders, they're not uh, uh, not mainly looking at Rwanda. With most African leaders, the moment they name a successor, it's like they've opened a can of worms. Mm. In Swahili, we say it's like it's like you've declared who is going to inherit whatever you're going to own. So that kind of puts him a bit insecure, and. When he names a successor or tries to point out who is going to be a successor, power starts shifting towards the successor. So, you know, like, let's, let's go to the animal kingdom. When old lions, uh, when they're managing a pride, when they're in charge of a pride, when the young lions start coming up, what happens? The old lion tries to chase them away because mm. if he doesn't, they're going to come and take over the pride mm-hmm, from them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So with African leaders, they fear strong successors. They fear people who power will shift towards because that is a natural it's a natural continuum of power power follows the next best thing that's why if for example when you name so and so is going to be the one who is going to be in charge of abcd all attention starts shifting and i think probably that is what i feel african leaders fear the most but however prudently a mark of a good leader is when you name a successor you grim you groom them uh you get to have them uh meet the citizens and you know they get to share your policies out there you kind of pass the baton that is what western democracies have done and africa has been unable to do
0: and if you look at putin and medvedev when he there you go just for one term so he could take a little break exactly he was a puppet yeah Uh, now let's move to that that exact part of the world. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Thank you. Uh, um, And we know that we are here uh, to talk a little bit about something that I found was not talked about enough during the climate conference, and that was the effect of food cost and prices uh, vis-a-vis the war, the illegal invasion of Russia in the Ukraine. Exactly. Uh, And I use the word illegal because... that's how I see it. Exactly. Okay. I hear you. Uh, and that's how many people see it. But let's talk a little bit about you know um, Africa as a whole. You know, we, we we're in this situation as a as a as a continent. And I shared a, a uh, some some statistics with you a little yeah, bit earlier. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you know. We, Despite an Ipsos survey revealing that a majority of Africans support Ukraine, yeah. why do we observe a lack of vocal engagement from African leaders in advocating for an end to the war mm-hmm. and communicating the importance of halting the conflict? So what's happening is we, we speak, we, Ipsos went and spoke to Africans. And exactly. Africans, vast majority, and we're going to get to South Africa yeah, because yeah, they're yeah. an anomaly yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're in a bit of a tough spot. Mm. Um, but the vast majority of Africans across the continent yeah. were anti-Russia, pro-Ukraine, yes. i.e. the invasion was illegal and wrong. Exactly. Why is no one talking about it? Why are African leaders not standing up and saying, this has to end? Because Russia is a power. is a great power. Russia
5: sits in the Security Council. Russia is a nuclear power. It has veto power. And Russia behind the scenes can pull a lot of strings. So what African leaders are probably afraid of is to find themselves on the wrong side of Russia. They will need Russian support at the Security Council when sanctions are being slapped on their economies, on their countries for whatever violations they have committed. So I do not want to say it is cowardice. It is just prudent, being prudent, trying to be what we call in international relations non-aligned. But in my view, there is nothing like being non-aligned. When you're non-aligned, it actually... When you're non-aligned, it means you can't stand up for any position. You put yourself at great risk. So what African leaders are afraid of is to declare their stand and find themselves on the wrong side of Russia.
0: Is there a fear because Russia is is no longer? Uh, I mean, the, it is it, the country is feared. There's no yeah. question about it. The exactly. leader is a is a feared human being. Yeah. Um, but but is there the f- the fear by Africans that Russia will rise again and then all of a sudden you've made this 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 absolutely de- detrimental mistake of saying this war is illegal we've got to help put an end to it or whatever we whatever they we want them to say and all of a sudden russia rises again uh, as because of, you know in at one point it was russia and the united states with the only two superpowers in the world yeah um and then they're like oh now we've got mm-hmm. a big problem
5: you you've actually you've nailed it there's something in international relations we call realism and it states that countries act in their own best interest now russia was a superpower under the soviet union Okay, so the world was a bipolar world. You're either east or west. Absolutely, African governments have never forgotten the power and the influence Russia wielded then. Mm. Now Russia through BRICS, this new outfit of Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, is trying to create a new center of power. that, eventually, probably in the next 5-10 years, will almost rival American global power and global outreach.
0: That's the hope for them.
5: That's the hope for them. The BRICS nation, but now, yeah. for the Africans they are pragmatically looking ahead and saying, what if in 10 years' time, Russia is the country that will be calling the shots around the world? And they are good chess players. They have excellent memories. They will remember that XYZ Mm. was against us during the Russian-Ukraine invasion. So I think African leaders are hedging their bets. Whether that is right or wrong, that's another debate. But they're hedging their bets and they're trying to just be pragmatic. And then, coming back to the topic that we are discussing today, food security. Russia is one of the world's largest producers of grain, fertilizer, fuel. Africa needs those. It needs, for food security, it needs Russia's fertilizer. It needs Russia's grains. It needs Russia's fuel to, you know, to drive its economies. So how are you going to make, you know, an enemy out of this bear? Let's call it that. Russia, how are you going to make, how are you going to make an enemy of this and not pay the consequences? So... It's a catch twenty two for African leaders.
0: Absolutely a catch twenty two. We yeah. know the war in, in Ukraine is, is, is I mean, you could you could ask the world and you would probably get ninety plus percent with the exception of the people living in Russia and probably not all of them, to say that this is an illegal invasion, right? Exactly, yeah. But let's go back now to what you talked about, food security. Right now, we are suffering from food costs. Yeah. It's a rise in food costs. Exactly. Fuel costs, a rise in fuel costs. Mm -hmm. Our SDGs are being threatened, Mm -hmm. especially SDG number two. Yeah. Um, This is all based on that war. Yeah again i have to ask the question yeah. if you were an african leader uh mm-hmm. you were running a country let's yeah. call it uh, xanadu yeah, yeah coming to america that was the Wakanda. <laughs> Wakanda yeah. um, you know you would see this and say in order for these these situations to be addressed food fuel and of course to realize sdg number two yes we have to help yeah. to stabilize this part of the world exactly why is that not happening or is it is it exactly the reason you just given me
5: you don't know <sighs> I, I like your question. It's It has a lot of, let me try and break it down now. SDG number two, zero hunger. Unfortunately, and I'll be very blunt on your show, that SDG, Africa was not doing enough about dealing with it even before the Russia-Ukraine war. So let's not blame all our food problems on the Russia-Ukraine war. To an extent, COVID-19 came and made a bad situation worse for us. But many African governments were struggling with feeding their own population. Poor poor economic uh, planning, poor agricultural policies. They'd, all, they'd left their markets open for dumping from, you know, all these other advanced nations. So African governments simply never planned properly for their food security. And now that we over-relied on Russia and Ukraine for the grains, the cereals, fertilizers, and all these things, because previous african governments could have built fertilizer uh, built um, fertilizer factories in africa let me even digress a little bit and ask a tough question how is it like kenya for example how is it all these years after independence we still get some of our choice coffee and <laughs> tea exported out of the country processed abroad and then brought up brought back in bigger brands and we prefer buying brands that are not Made in Kenya,
0: and and but but they are made in Kenya. We just don't know it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but 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 I, I want to go back to another. Uh, we'll come back to that. because yeah. it's a valid point you're making. Yeah, yeah. But again, the question has to be asked. A was Russia supplying that much food to us? Have they helped us in the past? There's mm-hmm. a lot of promises coming out of uh, Putin's mouth and Russia now. Yeah, yeah. Because. I mean, he needs allies. He yeah, needs yeah. friends, and he's like, "Look, this is a this is a a, a continent where m- the majority are hungry and starving. Yeah. It's a great place. It's almost like good feeding ground for mm-hmm. him, right? Yeah. But but were we getting as much help from 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 Russia as as they would like us to think? Because it seems to be it's it's almost like Johnny come lately. Mm, I you know you. we're in a situation now where the whole world hates us. Mm. Let's latch on to Africa.
5: Okay, truth be told, Africa was getting a lot from Russia in terms of food supplies in terms of um, the fertilizers, the fuel, and all that. But then also remember the WFP, the World Food Programme, in all those African countries where there were humanitarian crises where the people are starving, the WFP used to get over half its grain from Russia and Ukraine, that sector of the world. Right.
0: So I'm saying that you, now it's you, now let's go to Ukraine because yeah. there are stocks trying to leave Ukraine yeah. and they're being bombed by Russia. Yeah. So as an, I, I just want to go back into the head mindset of an African leader. Yeah. If you were, let's even say it was 50 50, split down the middle 50% yeah. of the fertilizer, grain, yeah. and yeah. wheat came from Russia, mm-hmm. 50% of the fertilizer, grain, and wheat came from Ukraine, yeah. right? Yeah, but so the 50% that's trying to come out of the Ukraine to yeah. Africa is being bombed or yes. any to the world, yeah, right? Yeah, wouldn't you as an African leader say at least let's get 50%? Mm-hmm. What you're doing is wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to put my my Myself in the mind of an African leader saying 50% is better than 0% because right now it's literally mm.
5: 0%. So, now to answer your question, I'll take you back to something that happened recently. Seven African countries under the Africa Peace Initiative decide to go to Ukraine and to Russia to try and broker some peace talks. Absolutely. And they went saying, you know what, kindly go slow on this war, de escalate because. We need a lot of your grain. We need a lot of your food. We need all these things coming from you. So that was Africa's part trying to go and tell these two countries, look here, your war is affecting us directly. Can we have a negotiated solution? Can were, we they,
0: ha- were they the right leaders that went? <laughs> uh, no, no. I mean, can we, can we, can we, can we break <laughs> at, that down? At least
5: Ramaphosa, Africa's strongest economy, led the team. Yes. All right. But he, he had to go. He had to go yeah. by virtue of also being in BRICS. Yeah. That's my analysis. Yeah. By being in BRICS and having had these relationships with Putin before, I think they felt he was he had to go. Our uh, African Union chairman Mustafa went because to give the whole thing legitimacy. Yeah, to be the face of Africa. To be Absolutely, the face of Africa. Yeah. The president, the sitting president of the African Summit went, I think that's Comoros, they went to give it legitimacy and all that. But surprisingly enough, uh, Uganda, and I'll not mention the other countries, dropped out at the last minute and said they do not want to go. Why? They did not want to go and confront Russia, you know, and tell them you are on the wrong. But that diplomatic initiative, that API, African Peace Initiative, what it ended up doing was that In Ukraine, surprisingly enough, Zelensky told them, the president of Ukraine, we cannot have negotiations when Russia has invaded my country. He was categorical. We will not have a discussion. But they, of course, tried to plead with him. In Russia, Putin received them more warmly. But, of course, he felt like this peace initiative needs more players and all that. So, was Africa the right uh, country to try and do this? To an extent, yes. Why? We are the most vulnerable continent, so to speak. And our position of weakness would actually lend us a big voice in terms of the future possible market that Russia would get in selling its goods its weapons and all that that's what Africa is trying to leverage mm, on mm. so Africa tried we had to see what fruits are going to be born out of all this all right
0: so far nothing though. Uh, so, exactly. so far nothing. It's because, so far nothing, yeah. Because if if you look this this happened this trip happened after the Black Sea Initiative it deal was brokered it by Turkey uh, and the United Nations. Yeah. Uh that was in July twenty twenty two, July yeah. last year. Moved more than thirty two million metric tons of Ukrainian agricultural exports via the Black yeah. Sea. Nineteen million tons went to developing countries, so like us. And, but and, yeah. but sorry, mm-hmm. to but but then Russia also agreed to mm-hmm. be part of the Black Sea Initiative, yeah. but then reneged on that de- agreement and started bombing ships coming out of Ukraine. Do you
5: know why they say that? They did the, the Russia reneged because they said we've discovered we thought all this grain was going to develop in countries like Africa, you know, parts of Latin America. All this grain is going to the Middle East and it's going to develop nations. So they felt, so Russia felt like, why am I allowing this grain to go and help my enemies? Quote unquote? If it is going to Africa, probably Putin will have allowed it the grain to go.
0: You think so? Oh, yes. You don't think it was just him showing his, again, his, his might by saying, you know, I can say yes, and then I can say no.
5: I have a feeling he, if that grain was totally coming to Africa, maybe 90% of the grain coming to Africa, Russia would have kept slow. Because remember, like I told you in the uh, in the last show, Russia wants the 55 votes that Africa has at the United Nations.
0: But it's a, it's a, it, it, it would be a marriage of convenience for Russia now, of because course they don't have any it, support anywhere else in the world. It always is. Why why are we there with the begging bowl though, Prof?
5: (sighs) You've asked...
0: (laughs) asked. (laughs) I'm asking you to answer for 55 presidents right now. Exactly. Oh,
5: yeah, yeah, yeah. And And I'll try and answer for them. Yeah. Because as fate would have it, we are in that vulnerable situation... We've not done enough for ourselves and we find ourselves, we need this grain before we get our agricultural systems up and running, bec- before we become food secure. Which as is Africa. not
0: going to be an overnight thing. We spoke about this exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's going
5: to be yeah. a 5-10 year plan. Yeah. So in the meantime, we need Russia. Okay. And so they hold the pass and we have to, you know, they, they're they the pipers, they play the tune, we have to dance to their tune. Uh, which is
0: which is a real shame, right? It is a shame. If 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 the war ended today, if, yes. if Ukraine declared victory, let's just... Yeah let's let's prophesize here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Ukraine declared victory and all of a sudden uh, they were able to supply Africa yeah. with grain, wheat, and fertilizer, yeah. three of the commodities that we can't sort of do yeah. ourselves right now, yeah, yeah. would we turn our backs on Russia? I think there'd be many African leaders that would. You know, I mean... Are you a student of the Bible? Uh, no.
5: There's, a, there's <laughs> someone who's called... But, Nic-
0: but I'm a religion minor, so I know a lot about the Bible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's
5: someone who came... There's a, There was one Pharisee who, used to, who came to see Jesus in the middle of the night because he was afraid of his fellow Pharisees. Mm. So he's called Nicodemus and he came at night. So I have this theory that secretly, there are people who will appear like they have turned their backs on you. But secretly, they'll tell you we are still together. All right? Don't mind the optics. Popular Don't, opinion. Yeah, exactly. Don't mind what I'm doing in the outside world. Don't mind the optics. Secretly, there are people, the African countries that will not... Walk away from Russia, all right? right? So, because of many other things, ignore the, I- ignore even the food issue. Yeah. What about uh, geopolitics and security? Many African countries buy Russian weapons. Okay, there's that aspect. Uh, this issue about debt, Africa and debt relief. So many countries are reeling over the huge debts that they're carrying. Countries like Russia... But
0: this was, this was Putin's promise after all of this. He's never once in, in history said to Africa, listen, I'm going to help you with your debt.
5: And unfortunately, Farid, that is how the world works. Someone waits for you to go into the hole, then they come and people and say, oh, Farid, you're down in the hole, let me stretch my hand and pull you out. And they never bother to cover the hole in the first place mm. or tell you don't they pass. They need
0: the you to be in that hole. Oh,
5: they need you to be in that hole so they can okay. be relevant in your life. So that's very true. So Russia is just being a strategic country. Mm. Actually, they're just being rational. Mm. They're just being rational actors, acting in their own best interest. And that is what any good country would do out there. Right. Try and take advantage of other countries which are weak. You know, try and squeeze them for whatever it can.
0: <clears throat> can this backfire on Russia at some point?
5: At some point it could. It could because, for example, already global sentiment like that uh, document I was reading. Global sentiment is already tilted against Russia. And
0: I mean, it's like you're talking about. You're exactly. Referencing the Ipsos research. That exactly. They did on, yeah, exactly. On Africa's sentiment towards the yeah. war. Yeah. And
5: even I'm sure in other many other countries out there, that Russian sentiment, uh, Russian sentiment, global Russia, global sentiment towards Russia has tilted against Russia, and Russia is not unaware of that. And they know the consequences that could come out of it. Already they've been slapped with sanctions, been pulled out of the SWIFT system, you know, the financial system. Yeah. Until the other day they were saying you have to buy our oil in rubles, you know, Russian rubles and all that. Which is basically
0: a dead currency anyway. Exactly,
5: there you go. So Russia knows its continued stay in Ukraine is going to hurt it more in the long term. So do you know what I predict is going to happen? Russia will get to what we call a mutually hurting stalemate. And it is going to nudge China and tell them, why don't you bring out, why don't you come about with a diplomatic charm and try and say you're going to broker peace and i'll be willing to sit at the table so what russia is going to do is going to nudge countries like china it has to be a big country so that it can save face india india it will get bricks probably and say we are going to follow we are going to allow BRICS to negotiate peace between us and ukraine and russia will willingly come like the unwilling bride sit at the table and say okay we're going to pull out or a b c d and mm-hmm. yeah because russia knows it cannot it, it is unsustainable
0: Let's talk about that unsustainability yeah. right now we've got about we've got about 7 minutes left I want to get into that we're a, we're a continent of 1.5 billion people there you go right Russia is looking at that with their mouths watering. Definitely, right? definitely. This is a country we can take advantage of. Exactly. As Africa, we have been taken advantage of. Many times. From, from, from the, you know, you go back to pre-colonial to colonial times. That's exactly. what's happened a lot along this continent. Yeah. Look at how the Congolese feel about the French. Look at how the um, the uh, the Congolese sorry feel about the Belgian. Look exactly. At, look yeah. at how the, the, the West the African, African countries f- feel f- about f- the, the Central the French, African, yeah, African yeah. countries. Look at how we feel at times about the British as well, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and, and again it it but but again these have been uh, mutually beneficial relationships in a lot of ways if yeah. you look at kenya and and, and the di- diplomatic relationship they share with the uk it's yeah. very strong yeah. right yeah for me it's going to end up looking like you know those countries that sort of align themselves to russia right mm-hmm. now or say okay yeah, we're going to be we like we're going to come to south africa in mm-hmm. a minute yeah. a little bit of time um you know you could end up in a situation where you're shunned literally mm-hmm. by the entire Mm -hmm. rest of the globe. Yeah. Because all global sentiment besides that of Russian sentiment is more or less anti-Russia.
5: Correct. And you know what the Russians are going to do about it? Like good chess players that they are, they are going to use their energy. It's going to be going to energy politics. Russia is one of the world's richest countries mineral-wise. So Russia is going to dangle its food, its energy, its gas. It's going to dangle all these things to buy back convenient relationships. So... It is unfortunate that it is a country that is very rich in all terms of the word that invaded Ukraine. Because ultimately in their long strategic thinking, they knew even if the world turns against them, there will always be 50, 60 countries in the world that need exactly what Russia needs.
0: But Africans have to understand that the illegal invasion of Russia into the Ukraine is affecting the ability to put food on the table right now. If you look at the poverty line in this country, I don't know if National Kenya National Bureau of Statistics uh, has come out with what where yeah, we are now yeah. but I'm sure that gap is widened everyone's saying climate this Ruto that economy mm. this yeah, global yeah. that Yeah. at the end of the day yeah. that food that mm. we used to get whether it came from Russia or the Ukraine that yeah. has stopped coming because of this war yeah. is causing people to starve it not to cruel. be able to eat and that's not just here in Kenya yeah. that's 55 countries across the continent
5: that is true what you're saying is very true but unfortunately now having said that africans now ask themselves so how do we get ourselves out of this hole they're the same ones that hand exactly that hand exactly (laughs) the person that
0: pushed you in the hole (laughs) is giving you the hand exactly
5: yeah so you you you're in a catch-22 you know they caused the war a senseless war so to speak all right we understand it geopolitically from a particular perspective but then they're the same ones who have the things the very things that we need we need their energy we need their food what are we going to do about it so when they call for russia africa summit African presidents troop there, not all of them, but some at least go and pledge their loyalty on the other side because they still. Why did
0: not? Why didn't our president? Was it too early in his his uh, his his run as as president I to, I for him to make that to, to to come out publicly in that in the face of that?
5: I think he was
0: away in the west. If I'm not okay. wrong, I could be wrong.
5: Which which is really
0: an anti-Russian thing to do, which is <laughs> <laughs> and almost I th- showing yeah, them, yeah. you know, you know what we're we're cool where we are.
5: Exactly, and I and I think all presidents wisely have to to be. They really know they craft their agenda and their diplomatic agenda and their foreign policy, it's crafted around what they want. They get to decide which partners they want to engage more. And and you can't fault anyone for that.
0: I want to move to that because uh, we've got about four, three and a half minutes left. Quickly, um, yeah. in that Ipsos survey uh, that I yes. shared with you, yeah. um, if you look across uh, many of the st- statistics, the vast majority of Africans in these countries that were surveyed are saying that they yeah. would support Ukraine over Russia. Yeah. Uh, but there's one anomaly in all of this, and we, we, we know the reason why. Yeah. Uh, South Africa being part of BRICS, but yeah. that's a big concern when when one of the more, if not the most influential uh, country. country on the continent, exactly the biggest economy on the continent. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if they're the most influential, mm-hmm. but you know they, they definitely hold uh, high esteem in yeah. top three countries with influence. Exactly, um, That's
5: a big concern. So South Africa is caught between being a member of BRICS, having been part of, you know, being this close to Russia and having to deny it publicly. It cannot do it. In fact, out of respect for South Africa, President Putin, when BRICS were meeting in South Africa, he kept off that meeting because of the icc warrant against uh, of, you know issued against him and he did not want to put south africa in that diplomatic you know uh, fix of having not to arrest him you know when they were obligated to do it but more than that if you look at that ipsos survey half of the south africans do not support over half over half do not support russia's invasion of ukraine because it is still fresh in their mind what the Dutch and the Boers did to them, mm. so they are coming out of apartheid. So they really feel it. It's igniting all these sentiments of, oh yeah, people c- occupying your country. So they are really
0: supporting Ukraine. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's it, yeah, this yeah. is the nineties. It's yeah. just the other day.
5: Yeah, yeah. but yeah. for them, remember, these are kids who grew up and uh, whose fathers they grew up in those concentration camps yeah. Soweto you name it so they know what it means to be invaded they know what it means to be occupied
0: so even with BRICS even with their president who clearly yeah. uh, moves who is pro-Russian yeah yeah he's yeah. Yeah. facing Russia yeah. one, one they, they, of the only big names that went to St. Petersburg exa- yeah. um, even with that the young black South Africans are saying hold on yeah, this with, is wrong
5: exactly the, the Malema Julius Malema type they yeah. do not want anybody who is invading anyone people who are going to t- curtail your freedom so they still that young demography, demographic yeah. group in I South Africa. I love that Africa. angle. I hadn't yeah, thought yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're out there saying, we can imagine what it means to be invaded. We remember apartheid and what it did to us. So they're imagining the Ukrainians, the Ukrainians having to go through that from anybody else. And they're saying, this is simply wrong. Mm-hmm. It can't work. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're voting went the way it Yeah, w- it even did. though it was slightly...
0: It, was, yeah. it wasn't like the other African countries, but Ex- it's still majority of exactly, South Africans were yeah. saying this as yeah, well. Yeah. Simply because they've seen it. They've seen it. They've, they've seen their land taken away.
5: They have lived it, Yeah, literally. Yeah. And up to now, not wanting to go into their internal affairs, but even up to now, the blacks in South Africa will tell you there's certain spaces they still feel crowded out of. Mm. So mm. that is very raw and very fresh in their minds. I and
0: mean, if you go out, if you, listen, if you go out of the big cities, it, it, not a lot has changed. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> you go, know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If yeah, you go like the free state and things exactly, like that. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. So that's understandable. Yeah. Uh, prof, um, any parting uh, comments uh, on this topic or any topic actually because we're running, we've got about 30 seconds left.
5: So for me, back to this issue about uh food security in africa my idea and my advice to african governments is let's get our act together other wars could take place all right if it's not food security, it will be energy security. Let Africa just get get its act together on all these vulnerable points. We're talking about food. We're talking about energy. These are places that we could be, get caught flat foot and would hurt our economies going forward. So let's think out of the box. Let's just try and become self-sufficient in our own way. Thanks.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Prof. Uh, and if you want to catch this, if you only caught a bit of it and there's more that you want to... Uh, uh Listen to. The whole hour was great. The last 25 minutes was spectacular with Professor uh, Gedua. You can catch us on SoundCloud, Global Digest, uh, Episode 7. I can't believe we're that far in already. Uh, it is now time for the news with Davis. And when we come back, you'll have the hype with Wanjira. Uh, so, yeah, welcome all. Uh, here you. we go. Time now for the news. <laughs>